Welcome to the Discover Church Podcast. We are a Christian faith community based out of Denver, Colorado. Join us this week as we bring our uncertainties to an unchanging God. If you have any questions about the sermon, please feel free to send them in. You can email them to us at hello at discoverdenver.church. So we're doing this teaching series called Unstuck. What's funny about that video is every time I watch it, I go, I think being stuck in a Jeep would be bad. Well, I think my tongue being stuck on a on like a dry piece of, or ice over a piece of metal would be bad. Every Everyone looks bad. Uh, the spiders look the worst because I hate spiders. But we're doing this series where we're actually talking about, we're not talking about things that get you stuck. There's a lot, a lot of times when... Um, when teachings like this will take place, and rightfully so, talk about, hey, it, this, this thing that happened in your life makes you feel stuck. What we're really concerned about would be what gets us out of the rut, okay? So everybody has the person who sends an email. When you see an email in your email inbox from that person, you ignore it. You don't want to read it. When there's a topic brought up, whether it's a topic about God or whether it's just a topic about your family or anything, you don't want to talk about it because... You're stuck. It's a rut that you're in. And the easiest thing to do when you're stuck is just to avoid it. And what we're going to talk about today is actually you, you cannot afford to avoid it anymore. None of us can afford to do that. So uh, we're going to talk about unstuck and specifically what's commonly been referred to as the principle of the path. Okay? So uh, the path principle, however you want to word it. But I would encourage you with this. If you take notes... Take really good notes because we want to make this as practical of a teaching series as possible, okay? As we go into the, the fall, as practical. But sometimes, if you've been in church for a long time, sometimes what you do is you go practicality equals non-spiritual. It's not true at all. One of the most spiritual things you can do is to talk in practical ways, to use your mind, reason, wisdom, all those things, and by doing so, you honor God more than um, if you just sat and prayed about things, okay? So we are going to pray, and then we're going to get into what we're going to talk about today and from Psalm 23. So let's pray together. God, we, um, we don't actually want to be stuck in a rut anymore. And whether we admit it or not, there are certain things and there are certain people and topics that are really... Uh, they, they're discouraging to us, but they, they seem overwhelming to even tackle them. And so, Father, whether it be finances, whether it be relationships, whether it be new seasons of life that we're entering into, it's just easier to avoid. Would you grace us with your presence, guide us into freedom, and help us to help one another. We can't get out of this on our own. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Unstuck the principle of the path. Now, um, probably two years ago, a winter time, okay, that we were driving up to Evergreen. Some of you know this. My parents have a cabin in Evergreen that our family will try to go to. If we're trying to get away, and, and because they're my parents, they don't charge me to go to the cabin, right? Which would be really strange. So we go there. It's a kind of a free getaway. And we're driving the Corolla, and it's a snowstorm, okay? Toyota Corolla is just front-wheel drive. It, does, it never engages the back wheels. As it's never four-wheel drive. And our tires, by the way, were really bad. So whenever you're just kind of desperate to get away, you're like, well, 
we're going to make it. We're going to make it in a snowstorm. But the only way to get up to the cabin is to go up a few hills because if you know anything about Evergreen, it's in the mountains, okay? So it's, we're not going down, we're going up. So we, we went to um, a place called Bojo's to get pizza. And then we were, by the way, this is how bad the snowstorm was. We were the only people in Bojo's, okay? The only people to where they said all the pizza they made, they said, when you leave, we're closing the place. So they just boxed up all the pizzas and gave them to us. And we're like, this is, this is awesome, you know? Not thinking the hills we have to go up to get to the cabin. And so we start driving, going up the hills. And there, there's the moment, if you've ever been stuck in the snow or ice or whatever it is that the devil has laid on the ground underneath your tire, you're, you just get stuck. You just start spinning out and you think, oh no. There's nothing I can do. Uh, like this is this is the worst. And you start to you do everything. You start to you start to tap the gas and the brake, and then you're like, no, no, we'll get out of it. And then you do reverse, but you're stuck. No, there's no traction at all. So this happened. We're in the middle of a hill in a residential area in Evergreen, and we get stuck. And then from the back seat, I hear Piper, our oldest. She goes, I gotta go potty. And it's storming. It's like a blizzard outside. And we're like, all right. So we just take her in the snow, freezing cold. She has to go potty. And then the cars behind us are like, hey, we need you to go. To which we're like, I know, we need to go too. Like we, we, nobody wants this. We don't want this. We don't want this at all. And what ended up happening was one of the neighbors that we didn't know comes out. And they, you know, they had a truck. So God bless all of you with trucks. Uh, they had a truck and they're like, we're going to pull you out, um, but why don't we bring your family in? We have restrooms inside. All this is happening while there's people behind us. I'm just thinking, this is a nightmare. This is horrible. And and I'm telling you, when you're stuck like that and you're spinning out and it's so frustrating and your daughter's got to go potty and, and you got the smell of pizza that you, you learn to hate pizza in this moment because you're like, I should have never went to Bojo's. Enough, too much snow fell on the floor. All this stuff's going on. And, and you just get stuck. I don't know what else to say. You, and and when, when talking about this, I mean, we can go a thousand directions. We can talk about, hey, in our life, in your life right now, and in my life, okay, there are circumstances like snowstorms. We can talk about that if you want to. We can say there are these unpredictable circumstances. There's the spiritual weather, if you will, that comes in and it just comes down and you get stuck. We could go that direction, which would be healthy and helpful if we did. But I, I think there's a principle that's way more foundational than talking about spiritual weather. We could talk about um, that when you get stuck in life, when you avoid things and you get in a rut, um, it actually backs other people up. There's, there's people in your life that feel the impact of your stuckness, okay? Well, you talk about that. Does that happen, okay? Which, but I would say, again, there's a more foundational thing, like way more foundational. We can even talk about, hey, you can't get unstuck by yourself. For real, if you if you could, you would have by now. You would if you could will yourself out of it. You could have will, not like will, like my wills. I'm saying W I L L. You could will yourself out of the situation. You would have by now, but you can't. There are certain things, certain ruts, certain spiritual and physical and emotional dilemmas you cannot get out of by yourself. So you need the neighbor to bring their truck. We talk about that too. But again, there's something way more foundational. 
What I think we miss in all of this, in talking about where you and I feel like we have no momentum in our life, is um, is setting is being able to talk about we we actually need to know where is it that we're going in the first place. What's the destination we're heading to? Being stuck doesn't really affect you if you're not going anywhere, okay? If you're just going in circles and you have no aim in your life, then when you feel stuck, when you feel like you're in a rut, whenever you feel apathetic, okay, whenever depression or anxiety sets in, you don't feel the weight of that mainly because you're like, I didn't have a destination. I'm just kind of, this is the way life is. And I, and I want to be the one to like shake that out of all of us. The way life is right now is not the way life has to be forever, okay? So hear me clearly. What you're going through right now is not, is not to be the norm. We should be able to see our lives move forward towards God, towards each other, towards life on mission, but we have to have a destination. We have to actually think. I mean, the reason it was so frustrating in Evergreen is because we knew we're going to a cabin. We're, we're trying to get to a cabin. We've got to put this food. This is all we got. We've got to put this food in the, in the fridge, and we've got to get out of people's way, and we've we got to get the kids to bed. There's a time frame, and there's a destination, and we need to get to the destination within the time frame. Anytime you have a destination and then there's an obstacle, that's when you start to feel the impact. And, and here's what I think. I think what's happened in a lot of our lives personally, I know this happens to me too, if I don't have a destination, a clear destination, where it is that I'm going, which again, this would apply whether you, you're a Christian or not a Christian, there's not a destination that I'm heading to, I will not feel the impact of what it is I'm going through and I just won't care. I just tend not to care. I can just write it off as if it's not a big deal. And then I definitely don't feel the impact of the people that it impacts. You see what I'm saying? There has to be a destination in mind. Has to. There's an article that I was reading. This is a while ago. And it was, it was a, uh, in a literary journal about Lord of the Rings. Okay? So you don't have to have read Lord of the Rings. I haven't read Lord of the Rings, but I've seen the movie. And they just said there's a big difference between adventure and journey. Okay? An adventure is when you go out to accomplish something, but you return pretty much the same, but maybe with more accomplishments, right? Which I, I would actually argue that's the way a lot of people think about life. Let's accomplish a lot, and but let's stay the same. Let's just kind of get trophies along the way, whether they're Christian trophies of your devotional life or whether they're relational trophies of the amount of people you're connected with or the Instagram followers or whatever it is, okay? That's an adventure, according to this article. But they said, but Frodo and his friend Sam did not go on an adventure. They went on a journey. In journeys, you rarely return from a journey. If you do, you're not the same, is what this article says. This is the writing behind Lord of the Rings. There's a destination in mind. If you haven't seen the movie... Some of them return. Okay, we're not going to say which one. Some of them return, but they're not the same. This is actually how the Gospels speak about Jesus' disciples. And this is actually how the people in the Bible live their life. It's not an adventure. It's not goal setting. It's setting a destination, having a vision for the future that really would come from God and going on a journey to say, if I come back from this, okay, if I do... I'm not going to be the same. 
getting unstuck lets you continue your journey. And I, my prayer is that we all actually are never the same and we get out of the ruts we're in. That's my prayer. The path, the principle of the path is something I, it's not, this is not something I came up with. Um, this is something that, there's a book called The Principle of the Path if you want to go deeper into this. But I'm just going to give you the principle and I'm going to walk through it through Psalm 23 to prepare us for the, the rest of the teaching series. Here's what the principle is. Can you throw it up there? Direction, not intention, will determine your destination. Okay? Seems very simple, but I'm going to say it again. Direction, not intention, will determine your destination. So let me put it this way. Direction in your life, not just dreaming about where you want to be in your life, will determine where you're going to be in your life. Okay? You could, you could put it this way. This is for all us super spiritual cats in the place. Okay? Direction, not just prayer. Now, we do believe in prayer, and we, we pray all the time, but not just prayer will determine your destination. So many times I have heard people say, I plan, I plan on making a lot of money and giving a ton of it away and whatever, whatever, whatever. I plan on this. The direction of their life is in a big, big pit of debt. And you go, all the intention and planning in, up here without any direction, you're not going to land there. Now, this isn't a teaching about how to get rich. I'm just giving you examples of what people say. Maybe someone says, I plan, I plan on one day living in a place that would be by the ocean. Let's give a real, like, would feel somewhat shallow, but oceans are awesome. I plan on living by the ocean. And you go, okay, what, like, when, what, what are you going to do to get there? And they go, I don't know, I don't know, but like my intention, my life plan is to someday live in Costa Rica, which maybe that would be, I'm speaking up of me right there, okay? There, there's got to be direction. This is kind of reverse engineering um, what we would typically call as goal setting, but it's not goal setting. We're actually saying there's a destination. I believe that there is a destination when it comes to three areas of our life. Life with God life with others, and life on mission, okay? I believe there's a clear destination. Now, what I'm not saying is, life with God, the destination is heaven. Let's all go to heaven. Now, I, yes, I, I want you to come to heaven. What I'm saying is, while you're on earth, there's a destination for the way that you interact with God. There's a destination. There's a way of living that just changes you. That's your journey. And on your way to that destination, somewhere you're stuck. You're spinning your wheels. Some, and maybe it is that some circumstance came in and you go, I just cannot even forgive God. I can't even think about God in a positive way. Can't even pray to God. It's like this snowstorm. And you just go, I'm, I'm content here. And what I want to say is, you don't have to be there. And I don't think you should be content. And in life with others, and when life with others, restoration with relationships is one of the hardest things that, that we could wrestle with as people. But in life with others, there's so many destinations by way of serving other people and by way of using your resources and your time and your money for the well-being of other people. There's so many things we talk about. But there are very clear destinations that you should be arriving at, but we get stuck along the way in life with others. Somewhere we get stuck. All of us get stuck there. And then, and then life on mission would be this, and, and I know this is going to sound like just pure self-help, but it's not. It's so far from that. 
You have been uniquely designed, uniquely designed by God to be used by God and to give your gifts to this world so they could change the world you live in, the neighborhood, the city, and the world you live in. You've been uniquely designed. There's no clone. Now, like I, I would say to you that I've said this before, if God wanted a world without you in it, he could have that, but he doesn't want that world because you're here. Life on mission, there is a destination. There would be a place you would go to. That There's a career you would live in that would actually bring restitution and wholeness to that area. Not just, not just a paycheck. There's life on mission. There's, there are ways that you interact with people that nobody else can interact with people. There are things, that gifts that you have that, by the way, nobody else has that gift. If you have the gift of administration, I don't understand you, but I'm so grateful for you. But you got to use it. You have to use life on mission. And then somehow we've gotten stuck and we're spinning our wheels. And so this is what it's going to take. It's going to take this faith community to be committed to one another the next few weeks to say, I will graciously receive help to get out of the rut and I will graciously lend my helping hand to help others out. We cannot... Listen, we cannot get out. I want you to think of the illustration earlier. It is impossible for me to push the gas pedal and to push my car at the same time, okay? I know I'm really strong, but there's, there's one thing I can't do. I cannot do that. I cannot be in two places at one time, and I, by the way, I just can't push a car uphill in the snow, okay? It's impossible to do that. And for you, there are areas you're spinning your wheels that right now... God might be showing you, hey, you, life doesn't have to be here. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to. And will you let others help? Will you, first of all, say, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Because you are wanting to go somewhere. And that's what I'm hoping we all understand. That's actually what Psalm 23 reminds me of a whole lot. Let's go to the first part of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Now, now pause here. Let's talk about if we do have a destination, which we're going to have time to actually write that out in a little bit. But if we do have, if we know, okay, I know where I should be going in life, okay? So if whatever capacity you can think about that right now, I know where I should be going. There's two things that will probably derail us pretty easily. One is when other things grab our attention, just to be quite honest. Here, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. There is a posture that David has where he says, I don't, things aren't grabbing his attention because his attention is on the one who makes him lie down in green pastures. Later on, he'll actually say, Although I walk through, it's a present day, I'm going through a valley of the shadow of death. He's go, he goes, here he's going, but what I know about God is I can give him my full attention because I know he gives me his full self. See? Other things, when we go through valleys and dry, and, and dry spells or what we're talking about, when we get stuck, we are just stuck. We're not moving at all. When we do this, we tend to look around and to say, okay, what can grab my attention to distract me from the current reality that I'm going through? You follow me? 
What can grab my attention to distract me from the current situation that I'm going through? Because quite honestly, I don't want to think about it. And if you don't think about it, it also means you're not thinking about the destination, the place that God would be calling you. And if you don't think about that, your attention goes to whatever's grabbing your attention. And here, here, what we see him saying is, I, I know, even though there's a current reality, I know that God is the one who satisfies. But so often, we don't actually think God satisfies when we're currently stuck. Um, when I was in high school, I dated someone that grabbed my attention. She just, whenever we were, I would go to church, I, I, I met her at church, and then she just grabbed my attention, and then I thought, well, great, someone likes me. I mean, I remember, now maybe you don't know this about me, but uh, in middle school, I was picked on a whole lot throughout middle school. I mean, to, to where my mom would have to have lunch with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's okay. It's okay to laugh. I'm okay now. But my mom would have to be the one to have lunch with me. And, uh, and, and they would come and make sure I'm ready for school and all stuff. But in high school, in one summer, I got my braces off. I got contacts, which obviously I've gotten rid of, and I got my head shaved, okay? Which I don't look good with my head shaved, but apparently I look better than I did with glasses and braces, okay? And, uh, and then all of a sudden I was getting attention from girls. And, and then I started dating this girl, and we dated for, um, for quite a while. But I remember in that time, what it did was it distracted me actually from the destination that God would have on my life. And, and I wasn't really living for God at all. But I always knew, well, not always, probably from uh, 15 on, I knew there is a place God's calling me to in my relationship with him. I knew that to be true. And I had this funny feeling, maybe it had something to do with, with uh, teaching his word, but that would always scare me. And I remember one conversation that a youth leader had with me. He said he was talking to the youth pastor, and he said, do you think Preston's going to marry this person? And do you think Preston's going to go into ministry? And the youth pastor said, yes, but if he marries that person, I think it will hinder his ministry. Now you have to understand, it's like it was a very unhealthy relationship. It was like, like we had a foreign exchange student living with us, and she was jealous because I, I had a friend, you know, like another friend other than her. It was like completely unhealthy. Jealousy was at an all-time high, and and friends were at an all-time low. And I remember hearing that and, and thinking this, this current direction is compromising my destination. And even when I wasn't following Jesus, I knew something was off. But because my attention went elsewhere, I had to make a choice. Your direction in life will determine your destination, not your intentions. Okay, your intention, I, I've never met someone who intends to like not arrive in the place that they want to see themselves. But their direction, their direction always determines. I mean, this is, listen, this is so true practically. If you're wanting to go to Kansas, okay, and you jump on I-70, and instead of going east, you go west. It doesn't matter what your intention is. If you go, I'm so excited to get to Kansas, and you're in hour three of driving, and you're going, I just can't, I don't know if why you'd be saying I can't wait to get to Kansas. But if you're like, I can't wait to get to Kansas, okay? I, I didn't mean to offend the, the Kansas people here. But, but in comparison to Colorado, you know what I'm saying? So if you're like going and you're like, it's hour three, hour four, 
It doesn't matter what your intention is. And in fact, even if you're praying, you're like, God, take me to Kansas. Where am I going? Where, where? You have chosen a direction and your foot is on the pedal. You're going to arrive somewhere, but it's not going to be there. And I know many people that they arrive places in life accidentally and on purpose. And the ones who arrive on purpose have chosen directions to get themselves there. And this is not to say that God isn't playing a role. Listen, God is playing a huge role. And this is what I would say is so important about having a theology of what it means to be made in the image of God. You have the capacity to reason. You have the capacity to have wisdom, to receive wisdom from others. You have the capacity to commune with God. You have the capacity to be a spiritual being, to think about the future and the past and the present. You have a capacity to do that. That... It's just a small amount of what it means to be made in the image of God and to honor the image of God, um, to honor God through, through who you are is to exercise those capacities and then to offer in prayer the direction that you're going. To say, this is where I'm going. This is where I feel you've called me to be. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing this correctly? And then to call in community and all those things. But what you can't do is you can't just sit down and say, I don't know, I'm just praying and I'm going to arrive there someday. I'm going to arrive there. We believe in miracles, but if you notice, miracles all the time in the Bible happen within strategy. They happen within direction. And um, God is very present with us at all times. But he does want us to use wisdom, for sure. So, in that first part, you see things can grab your attention, but, but David doesn't let it grab his attention. Here's the next uh, few verses, or the next verse. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, uh, this a lot of translations say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the first thing that would take us away would be that we, it grabs our attention, and something else grabs our attention. The, the second thing would be we actually just give our attention to something else, okay? That we're like, oh, I don't know if this is going anywhere, and we give our attention. Now, they're do the, the psalmist is doing it right by saying, this won't grab my attention, and I don't give my attention to the presence of evil. He, current reality, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Current reality, okay? The attention is your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though, fully aware, right now, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And we pause. Nothing feels, makes us feel more stuck than to talk about the presence of evil, to talk about fear, to talk about the valley of the shadow of death. Nothing makes us feel more stuck. Fear will grip us hard. Fear makes it hard to move forward. Fear makes us not want to try again in relationships. You know, if you have experienced heartbreak at all, fear makes you say, don't put yourself out there again. If you've experienced someone that's turned you down, even if you said, hey, let's go to a basketball game together, and they say no, fear makes you say, I'm not going to invite them again. If you've tried to pray and your prayer wasn't answered the way you thought it would be, fear tells you don't pray again. This is fear. And, and it, you're giving your attention to it. You give your attention to it. And you say, that voice inside that says, don't do that again, don't try that again, even if what you're moving towards would be godly, 
the voice of fear is what you're giving your attention to. Shadows, let's talk about that for a second. Shadow of death. Shadows are very intimidating and would call for your attention. Would call for your attention. But, but here's the thing. Shadows are not real in the sense that they're going to harm you or hurt you. But they will, if you give your attention to it, they will occupy all that you think. Okay, shadows will. And a lot of you are living in the valley of the shadow of death right now. Uh, I, I remember when we first got married, uh, I was, well, this sounds bad. I was seeing a counselor, but not because we got married, okay? It's like, remember last week I talked about uh, whenever I was going through anxiety, so I'm, in this, I'm going to be telling you personal stories of me be, feeling stuck. I was uh, working, trying to get rid of anxiety and seeing a counselor, and this is what the counselor said. He said, you know, in the movie Monsters, Inc., if you haven't seen it, you need to go see it. It's one of the best Disney Pixar movies out there. But in the movie Monsters, Inc., the goal of the monster is to scare, is to get the kid to scream. That's the goal of the monster, is to scare, is to get the attention, is to get the kid to give all the attention to the monster. But the monster actually is not allowed to touch the kid because in the movie, the monster thinks that the kid will kill it. You know? And so they just scare. It's a scare tactic. And I remember the counselor saying, what, what's the one way they get rid of the monster? felt like I was like five, you know, I got an answer. Well, the way, and he said, uh, the way they get, I said, the way they get rid of the monsters, they turn the light on. And he said, that's right. They turn the light on. The, the way to get rid of the monster is to turn the light on, is to put your attention to what will help, not what's not going to harm you in the first place. It doesn't have, um, it doesn't actually have control over your life. So there are things when we live as Christians there are things that would feel like this, this will end my life. And we have to remember, actually, the end of life is the beginning of eternity. It, the end of life, Jesus conquered death and the grave. So the end of life is not what wins in the end. I don't have to give my attention to that monster. Okay? The direction, not intention, will determine your destination every single time. Every time in your life. And the psalmist refuses to let it grab his attention and then he shows us he doesn't even give give evil his attention but he acknowledges what's going on but in the end it's actually not the end like the the enemy cannot end everything because jesus through the resurrection declared things go on for people who trust in him death doesn't have the final say and this is where the psalmist goes after this let's read the last uh, few verses together can you go to the Next one. Thank you. Uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to notice he's now talking destination. Okay? Even though I walk, he doesn't stop. Like he's not like, even though I'm stuck in the valley of the shadow of death. No, no. Even though I'm sitting, no, no. It is a slow move. He's not saying even though I'm running, okay, even though I'm flying, he's not saying that. Even though I walk, he is making, he's going a certain direction. Even though I walk, he hasn't stopped. And the destination is, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The destination could even be, and you will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He knows I am going somewhere with God. Okay? 
and with others. At the time, the presence of his enemies were way more than the presence of his friends. I'm going, there is a destination with my life with God, with my life with other people, and with my life on mission. There's a destination, and I continue to walk. You need to move one step after another, one step after another. And when we talk about getting unstuck, I think it would be, we'd be jumping the gun if we were to say, okay, let's talk about those three areas of our life. Because what is 100% more foundational is to say, have you been aware recently that there is a destination in mind? Because if you are, then this week you'll kind of be, you'll kind of be shaken out of apathy. Okay, you'll kind of start to feel, okay, this, it's not okay that I stay here. This isn't okay. There is a big destination that God has in mind. If you're not convinced of that, you won't be convinced to move forward. And I would say God is constantly calling us to be a new creation. And sometimes new creations kind of get stuck when they're in the middle of changing. And uh, we, that's what we want to talk about is how to get unstuck. Okay. So, Lisa, could you have the worship team come up? We're going to respond um, when I think about this, when I think about getting unstuck, here, here's kind of what comes to mind. How many of you guys have driven or rode uh, in Uber or Lyft? You've used that before, yeah? When it comes to riding with them, uh, sometimes if you're in a place that's foreign to you, you'll go, hey, can you take me to, you know, the airport, whatever, and, and it'll take you, they'll take you somewhere and you'll go, am I going the right way? Do I... Like, are, you, are we going the right way? And, and you just have to actually trust. You have to say, they go, yeah, this is the way to go, and the map's taking me around, or whatever they say. But if you're in another city where you don't know where you're going, you just have to kind of trust the taxi driver, the Uber driver, the Lyft driver. And oftentimes when we travel, this is what I have to do. I don't know where I'm going. I just know the address, okay? I know the destination. I don't quite know how to get there. And I think if we're not careful, we treat God like an Uber driver where we say, I'm doing life with you. Take me there. Like it's me and you. You take me there. And, and I'm just going to sit in the passenger seat. And the way that Scripture unfolds is it says that we are co-laborers with Christ. That we actually have a responsibility. That we have, we're part of the direction of calling what, which direction are we going to go. And it's not that God isn't guiding us and leading us. He's not sovereign. He is all those things, but we do have free will. And in our free will, if we go, okay, God, my intention is this, make it happen, make it happen, make it happen. If that's your mentality, you're going to miss out on the voice of God when he says, I need, I need you to do this. I need you, you're, you're stuck here. I need you to change this. I need you to have this conversation with this person. I need you to go to church and I need you to engage in community. Or if he says, I need you to talk to the person you haven't talked to in years when it comes to that. But if we just think God is the Uber driver, like God's going to get us where we need to go and all we do is sit down, that's not the way that Scripture unfolds. When we are stuck, we must listen to what it is that God's telling us so that we can engage. We can engage. Because, by the way, you don't do that with any other relationship in your life. If you, with your parents' relationship, with a spouse or someone that you're interested in, you don't just say, hey, wherever, like, here's where I want to go, make it happen, okay? They look to you and go, Wait, this is, we're in this together. This is a relationship. And how much greater of an honor it is to be engaged in an ongoing relationship with Jesus. Where we say, I want to go here, 
And Jesus would say, that's where I want you to go. And here's what we do to get there, okay? That you don't return the same, you change. So here's what I would like you to do. Can you pull out, if you, if you write, if you want to write on something, or if you want to um, do this on your phone, that's fine. I'm going to ask you to answer three questions before we respond through prayer. We want to make this very practical, okay? So if you're using your phone, turn on airplane mode. Don't return that text with that person who has a smiley face emoji next to them. You really like them, you know. Don't, don't return that text. Airplane mode it, okay? I'm just going to answer some questions between you and God as we go into this series of saying, I don't... I am not content with not moving towards what God is calling me towards. I'm not content with that. So I gotta, I gotta be shaken up a little bit, okay? Here's the first question. What does the destination for you look like in life with God? What does the destination for you look like in life with God? And I would encourage you to be as specific as you can. Maybe for you, you're tired of what is considered church. And you go, I don't even know why we do church anymore. What, what maybe you would want to think about is to say, life with God, I want to engage with worship and praise and the word. I want to engage with those things in life with God. I don't want rituals anymore. I want devotion, okay? Maybe that's you. Maybe you say, I, I want to I constantly remind myself of the truth of who God says I am. Whatever it would be, what does the destination look like? Who is God calling you to be in your relationship with Him? Here's the second question. What does the destination for you look like in life with others? Let's keep it on that second question for a little bit. What does the destination for you look like in life with others? you say, I don't want to control other people. I don't want to feel the need to control other people. Maybe for you, it's, I want to be able to forgive. I want to be a forgiving person. When I see the destination of who God's called me to be, I am a forgiving person. I asked someone this this week, a friend of mine, and he said, I want to smile more. I want to be a guy who smiles more and lightens, brightens up people's day. Sure, I smile more. Be as specific and, and honest with God as you can. Okay? Who is God calling you to be in a crowd, in a small group, with your neighbor? And here's the last one. What does the destination for you look like if you live life on mission? What if you were firing on all cylinders and your gifts and abilities and your time and your resources were being used for God? What does that look like? What does that look like? 
Some of you have all the intention in the world to start a nonprofit that helps orphans or homeless, which I'm thankful for. What? But let's write that down. What would that look like? What would that look like? Uniquely made, unique mission. What would that look like? Let's take another minute and just answer those three. Write those down. seconds. Okay, now in any of those three areas, just pick one as I talk, any of those three areas, now what you should be thinking is, what's keeping me from this? What's keeping me from being that person that God's calling me to be in that area? Where are my wheels spinning? Where have I stopped caring? Where am I sleeping? What's keeping me from that? And that would be where you're stuck. This is what we'll talk about over the next few weeks, these areas. But you have to go into it with an awareness. You don't have to fix it tonight, but you have to be aware. I, I, am, I am stuck here. I am not moving here. And the snow is falling and my wheels are spinning. And I've just kind of grown content with that. And I would tell you, you need, we need, the world needs, the kingdom of God needs you to, to be unstuck in that area. Let's stand together. Will you stand with me? All right. This is what we're going to do. We're going to respond by seeking prayer. If you would like prayer, you can move to the side. I'll tell you what we're going to seek prayer for. You can also take communion in the back. If you take communion, we just ask that you are a Jesus follower. And, um, and may you take communion with the awareness tonight that you say, I am aware that Jesus, even in great pain and difficulty, refused to be stuck. Because it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Okay, the mission, the purpose, the destination was very clear. The destination was your salvation, and he refused to get stuck. Would you take it with that awareness? Or you can stay and worship and reflect and honor God through being honest uh, through praise and worship. Here's what we're going to seek prayer for, okay? One is this. You know I am stuck in this area, and, it, and, and I want to be specific for the people who say, I am fearful if I move forward, it's going to fail. I'm fearful. If I talk to that person, they're going to hate me. They're going to resent me. They're going to push me away. I am fearful. If I try again, it's not going to work. I am fearful. And because you're fearful, you're not able to say, although I walk through the valley, you say, I've, I've stood in the valley. 
and, and that you would say, I am fearful and I want prayer. Remember, we've got to lean on each other during this series. We can't do it on our own. And so if that's you, would you just take a moment? You can start to walk to this side because we're going we're gonna to pray for you. And the other one would be that you say, I am actually aware of a destination God's calling me to, and I just need someone to agree with me over that. I need someone to speak because there's other voices going on. I need someone to, to say, yes, this is right as I move in this direction, okay? Either of those things, move to the side for prayer. The prayer team will find you. But let's respond through prayer, through communion, or through worship. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to respond. If fear is holding you back, or if you say, I'm actually aware, I just am kind of timid. I need someone to affirm this over me. We're going to pray for that. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for calling us into being a new creation. Thank you for calling us in a world that is broken to be wounded healers, to be ones who see it made whole. Thank you for calling us to be ones who prepare the earth to be right when the King arrives. And I just pray right now that wherever we're stuck, would you, God, would you be gracious to us and help us and, and help move us, speak to us clearly, give us the power to do what you've asked us to do. That we choose the right direction. We have the right intentions. We need the right direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's respond.